0: That was the Kimil tribe in West Papua New Guinea. When missionaries first arrived there, it was a very dark place back in the 60s. The people practiced cannibalism. They had witch doctors and they worshipped idols. The mortality rate for infants and toddlers under two years of age was 50%. They were truly in darkness. They killed... Some of the first missionaries, the, the two of the husbands of the missionary couples that were there, one had a hundred arrows through his body because they were, um, well, it was demonic really. It was a, you know a demonic attack against these missionaries, but the missionaries persisted and worked with them and worked with them and learned their language and learned how to write. They, they made their own, the missionaries made up a written language for them so that the people could be educated, have literacy, and get the Word of God. And then here we were back in 2010. They received the Word of God for the very first time. Couldn't you just see the amazement in their hearts? I think it was so important for us to see that contrast because here in the United States of America, how many Bibles do you have in your house? We all, there's an abundance. You can turn on... Christian programs. You can listen to Christian music. You can go to church anytime you want. You can read Christian literature. We have an abundance. We are a people with abundant spiritual resources. These were people who had nothing, and they were literally in darkness, and so they know the power of the Word of God. Did you catch the part where the women, they were saying, these older women are going to receive God's Word, and they're going to teach it to their children and to the children's children, and and so on, so that our children can walk in the paths of righteousness. They knew that the word of God was what had shifted their whole being, their whole culture, their whole tribe into the light so that they no longer were cannibals. They no longer worshiped idols. They no longer had babies that were, you know, 50% chance of dying because the light of Christ came into their tribe and everything was changed forever. That was so powerful when I watched it. I just felt like It was extremely gripping, and so I want to talk to you today, and two people are going to be sharing their testimonies in the middle of my message in just a moment. We're going to hear from Charlie Kennedy, and after that, we're going to hear from Deb Campo, but I want to talk to you about inquiring minds want to know, and I want to share with you some things that we know that I want you to be reminded of because we're entering into the season of remembering to give thanks to our great God. And first of all, I want to remind you to give thanks to our great God for his word, for the word of God, for the written word that changes our lives, that grips us, that tells us the way that we should walk in. The written word is so important and so powerful. God gave us his word. It's his love letter to us as his children. So don't don't take it for granted. Let that be seared in your heart, the faces of those people when they had the plane come with the crates of Bibles and for the first time held God's written word in their own language in their arms. Let that be seared in your heart and value the word of God. Value what you have. Value the abundance that we have and give thanks for God's word and for the freedom that we have in our country. Whenever Jesus taught, he taught about the kingdom of God. So the second thing I want you to be thinking about is the kingdom of God and how it transforms lives. It transformed the life of this tribe. And Misty has a scripture. I'm going to go around to a couple different people that ahead of time. Jim, you're next. Um, I have them lined up to read the word of God. This is Matthew 6, verses 9 through 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus taught us to pray that way. He wants his kingdom, just like it came to this tribe, the Kimmel tribe in the Guinea. He wants his kingdom to come into every place where there's darkness.
1: Uh, This is uh, Matthew 16, 13 through 18. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others uh, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ." the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, by Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it.
0: God's kingdom is powerful and mighty. I'm coming to page now. And his kingdom is built on the revelation and the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. So when you accept that fact, his kingdom comes into your life.
2: Acts 1-3. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God.
0: Jesus taught exclusively about the kingdom of God, not about the church, but about the kingdom of God. You are in the kingdom of God, and you are kingdom bearers, and you bring His light and His truth wherever you go.
1: Acts nineteen eight, and he entered the synagogue, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God.
0: So there we have again Paul at the end of his life, beginning to preach Paul preaching the kingdom of God, rather, and then Darwin's going to share out of Acts twenty eight.
3: They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus.
0: Okay, so Paul, even at the end of his life, you're on Charlie, was... Oops, excuse me, excuse me, sorry, I bumped the dog. <laughs> Acts twenty eight, twenty three. Um Jesus is king of his kingdom. And wherever his kingdom comes, his dominion comes. When Jesus' kingdom comes into your life, everything will change. Charlie, you want to come up and share your testimony? Everything will change because when his kingdom comes, when the King of Kings comes into your life, just like he did to this tribe, when the King of Kings comes into your life, everything changes. Darkness goes. His authority and his dominion comes. His rule and his reign begins to come into your life, and everything changes. Bondage is broken. Darkness has to flee, and everything shifts. No more cannibalism, right? These people were changed and tremendously transformed, and Charlie's testimony is about God's kingdom transforming him.
3: Amen. What an awesome intro to today. I was and am one of those inquiring minds. But i got to lead up to it. I was born into a home of violence and alcoholism and learned from a very young age how to fulfill the role of being a victim and then how to follow suit in the violence and addiction. But 35 years ago, July 27th, 1983, I was laying near death in a detox center in Oklahoma, all alone. And the only thing in my mind was, God, if you're real, is there hope for me? And as I stand here before you today, I'm living proof there is hope in the mighty name of Jesus. And people, if you don't, I knew of a loving God am a loving Jesus Savior, born in a manger. But I didn't know him. And I didn't have to know anything elaborate, because I learned real early in my walk that God listens to my heart, not my head, because I can be a slow learner. Um, You know, I was never going to be like my father. He died at 45. I was almost dead at 30. And I can also testify through every, just about every mixed up concoction of alcohol and drugs, there is no high like the most high. And, wow. <clears throat> um, but I can be a slow learner, you know. I've been praying for over 20 years for a creative miracle. I'm a byproduct of a miracle. 1990, I was on a bridge, snapped in half, I fell 40 feet. Some of you in here prayed me through that. And I'm living proof. They told me I would never work again. Well, I did. And stupidly, too, and broke my back again, but... Um, <laughs> anyway, back on track here. Um, you know, I have to um, be willing to part with some of the old for something new, and I've been believing for a creative miracle... For twenty some years. It took twenty some years for me to find out that God was in the process of creating them, just not to my likings. You know, my teeth are being created somewhere else instead of in my head. <laughs> but anyway, all kidding aside, but if any of you have never experienced a personal relationship with the Lord and Savior Don't leave here today without it. I just thank God. I know him. I don't have to know of him. And all I had to do was say, show me, love me, forgive me. Thank you.
0: God's kingdom, through Jesus Christ, transforms life. He's in the life-changing business. And a lot of times we think we have to clean up our act to come to God. You can't clean up your act. You cannot do it. We need to come to him, and he changes us from the inside out, and he breaks the power of addiction, and he heals our broken places. Because when we're numbing our pain with things like alcohol and drugs and sex and pornography and gambling and whatever your... Counter false comfort of choice is. When we're trying to fill, fill our lives with that and numb the pain, really it is an effort to numb the pain. And so God comes in and he begins to heal our broken places and heal our heart and his kingdom begins to push out the lies of the enemy and push out the darkness and push out the destruction and push out all of the baggage that the world has put on us and all of our our bad choices have put on us. And his kingdom brings us into wholeness and freedom, and his love comes in. It's amazing. It's amazing. So Jesus is king. That's your your third truth. The first one is the Bible. I'm wanting you to grab some things that you are reminded to be thankful for. The word of God. The second thing, the kingdom of God has come. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand, and later he said, the kingdom of God is within you. So those of you who have accepted and received Jesus Christ into your life, the king has come in, and he wants to sit on your heart and rule and reign in your life and bring his kingdom order and use you to bring kingdom order to other people, to bring God's kingdom to other people. What a privilege. Are you thankful for his kingdom? Hallelujah. <laughs> so um, we're going to continue on here. I would like Laura to read out of John chapter 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to the spiritual life. So the way into the kingdom of God is by being born of the Spirit of God. And if there's anyone here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I charge you that you are here today, not by accident, but God has brought you here for a reason and a purpose. You're here to hear this message. You're here to hear Charlie's testimony. You're here to hear Deb's testimony that she's going to share in a few minutes because God is calling you and he's saying, I am seeking you. And your heart is being stirred right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you're here today, I'm just going to ask actually for everyone to close your eyes at this moment. Just close your eyes. And if there's anyone here today and your heart is being stirred and you know that you need Jesus. You don't have the assurance like Charlie talked about. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you think he's probably a real guy, but you're just not sure about him. This is your opportunity and your chance to find out who he is and to experience his peace. If you need to give your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand so I can see it? Because I'd like to just pray with you. Hold it up high if you're raising your hand so I can see it. Okay, I see that hand. Anyone else? Maybe you've given your life to Jesus, but you haven't been living in a way that's pleasing to him. You can put your hand down. Thank you. I saw that hand. Anyone else that needs to make their life right with Jesus today? Okay, let's pray. I see that hand. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else, you know you've been sliding away from God and you need to make your life right. Let's pray together right now. I'm going to ask everyone to pray with me. And those of you that raised your hands, pray from your heart, and God will hear the cry of your heart, and he will receive you. So let's pray together. Father God, God, I recognize recognize that my life is a mess. mess. I I need to know that I am born again. So today I acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Son who went to the cross and died for me so I can be forgiven of my sins. Please forgive me, Lord. I ask you to wash me and cleanse me, set me free, break the power of sin and death off of my life. And give me your strength, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Spirit. to live for you you. and to follow after you. you. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. And I would like to have those two who prayed to come up and see Gary and I after at ministry time, at prayer time, because we would like to pray with you some more and just um, share some things with you. So Charlie not only saw the kingdom of God, but he entered into the kingdom of God. And God's rule and authority became established in his life, and nothing was ever the same. He's on the highest high, his own words, that he could have ever imagined. Nothing that the other things could ever compare to. So that is um, but one of the important... The second important truth that I want you to remember is that we belong to his kingdom. And when we're in the kingdom... That means Jesus Christ is our King, and all of his protection and all of his power is available to us to live a life that's pleasing to him. All right, we are going to have a couple more scripture verses. I'm coming to Pinky now. Revelation nineteen sixteen, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. So he is that king, and he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Mary Beth, if you would please read from John chapter 1. This is verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is truth number three that I want you to grab a hold of. When you are born again of the Spirit, you are immediately adopted into the family of God. You become children of the Most High God. He is your Father, and He loves you. And those of you who are parents know how much you love your children. I want you to understand that that's only a tiny expression of, of how much God loves you. As much as you love your children, God loves each one of you even more than that. And you have been brought into his family, into his household. There's no orphans in the body of Christ. And I'm coming to Bill Kroll now. So Bill, if you could go ahead. There's no orphans. God's family has no orphans. You're in the spiritual family of God.
3: Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household.
0: So you are not an orphan. You belong. There's a place for you. And I am coming now to Julia.
2: This is Romans twelve four and 5. It says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another.
0: So you belong to each other. Look around this room. You've been placed in a family. You belong to each other. There's no orphans. God places us in the family of God, and we're meant to not only love him, but to love one another and to help one another and to support one another. That's what a body is meant to do. So let's have
1: Jim share with us out of Ephesians 2. Um. Ephesians 2, uh, 19 through 22. Um, Where am I at? So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints of God's household. Having been built up upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone, in whom the whole building has been fitted together, growing to a holy temple in the Lord.
0: So you've been brought into the family of God. You belong. And I know that there are some of us who have felt our whole life that we didn't fit in or that we didn't belong. And Deb, I'm going to have you get ready and just come right up. Um, you felt maybe rejected. You felt like you were the odd man out. You know what? In God's family, that is not the case you belong, you are loved, you are cherished, you have value, you have dignity, you're important, there's a place for you. You are not an orphan, you're not on the outside looking in. You have been placed in the family of God, and you belong. So let that develop a thankful heart in you as Deb comes and shares her story of how God brought her into the family of God in a time of crisis. Yes, he did.
2: Um, I will start my story... In May of 2013. Up until that time, I did not walk with God. Um, I had a very, very simple life. In May of 2013, the man I had worked for with 33 years, side by side, committed suicide. It was devastating. It's devastating. I, I didn't know what to do, where to go. I didn't, I had, I didn't have a clue. My husband sat in their basement after that had happened and told me that it was a selfish act and that he would never do anything like that to me or my kids. And 12 days later, my husband committed suicide on May 27th of 2013. 12 days apart, two men, 33 years with Larry and 31 years with James, left my life. I will refer to suicide as wreckage. If you can imagine a plane crash and the wreckage that is left everywhere, there's wreckage. And this is also the result of suicide. There is wreckage everywhere. As I sat um, trying to put my pieces of my life, I was hurt. I was alone. I was wondering how I was going to get through it. I was going through the if onlys and the what ifs. Um, this wreckage was my life. How how do I where where do I make sense of it? I can't even begin to describe my feelings. I, I can't, even to this day I can't describe my feelings at that time. A numbness, I guess, would would I, I I can't describe it. And I knew everything that I had known, everything that I have known would never be the same, including me. And this is where God met me. God showed up. And I had received a Bible after my husband had died from Larry's brother and his wife. And it was in a pile of stuff. It was off to the side. It was in a pile of stuff. I had no... no no intention and as I was sitting there in my despair and crying one day I I looked over and I seen that Bible and I grabbed it and I started leafing through it and I was just going through pages and in Romans when I got to Romans it fell open and I looked down and in bold print were the words peace and hope peace and hope this is what I'm looking for this is this is what I I need it's here in this in this in the Bible and so, I started going to church, and I heard the most beautiful words from God. They were spoken, and I would sit and I would cry and I would cry until I got to the healing, the healing part, where it was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, I I realized what Jesus had done on the cross that I was forgiven. And when Jesus forgave me, I had to learn. I had to forgive my boss, and I had to forgive my husband. Otherwise, I was going to be bitter and angry, and I didn't want to be bitter and angry. So I forgave myself, and I forgave my boss and my husband. When I felt like I had failed, God's unfailing love was there. God's unfailing love picked me up. He picked me up. He, he put me, he showed me things to be thankful for. Every day I, would, I learned to be thankful for something, whether it be running water or flipping a switch, the ability to get out of bed. I was thankful. And when I took the focus off myself, when I started feeling sorry for myself and I took the focus off myself, um, I put it on God my life changed my life changed um, in in um, psalms one forty three eight i'd like to read that to you um, it says, "Let the morning bring word of your unfailing love for I have put my trust in you. show me the way I should go for you for for to you, I entrust my life. Indeed, I did. I do trust and trust my life. God gave me hope. There, there was so much darkness, despair, and grief. He was my light. He is my light. Every day, God is my light. And He's my strength. He, he gets me up every day. And he gives me something to be thankful for. God, I want to read Psalms 118. And and Psalms 118, it's, it's, it's very short. And it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. God brought me out of the wreckage of suicide. I won't say it's been an easy journey, but without him, I couldn't do it. I would not be doing it. There are still pieces of the wreckage that pop up. They, they, they come up. But I choose not to carry them with me. I choose not to carry them with me. I give them to God. In Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always. Pray continually in this one. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. He will be your light. If there's ever darkness, he will be your light. I give glory to God every day. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Powerful. Give thanks in all things. That doesn't mean that we thank God necessarily for those things because he's not the cause or the author of them, but we can give thanks in all things because he is unshakable. His throne is eternal. His word is unchangeable. His character is unchangeable. He is on the throne no matter what the circumstances are that you're going through. He is on the throne and he is still the solid rock so we can give thanks in all things. And I'm going to ask the worship team to just um, to come if they would. We're going to close our time together, end our time together with the word of God and with the singing of praises unto our God. And I want to share with you two more scriptures and then we're going to sing... I want to share out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, which ties in exactly with what Deb shared at the end, which I didn't even know she was going to share that, and that was absolutely perfect. It ties in so well. But in Ephesians chapter 5, We are told to be careful in verse 15. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine like Charlie brought out. Don't get drunk on alcohol. That just leads to debauchery or, you know, to a messed up life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then it goes on to say, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you and exhort you that we are called to be a thankful people. We looked at three different key points today about the Word of God, about the Kingdom of God, and about being in the family of God. We have a lot to be thankful for as God's people. He has provided so many things for us, and we just scratched the surface this morning. We heard two powerful testimonies of of God coming into people's lives and meeting them in their place of need and pain and heartache, and how he delivered them and healed them and set them on a solid course. You all have your own story. You all have your own testimony. We are a people who need to be thankful and give thanks to God. And one of the ways that He tells us in Scripture to do that is to sing, to use our voices, to praise Him. And some of you might say, oh, well, you know, my relationship with the Lord is just, it's a very private relationship. It's very personal and private. Well, Let me just say this. Your relationship with the Lord is a personal relationship. That is absolutely true. It's a personal relationship. Only you can establish a relationship with God. It's very personal, but it's never meant to be private. Your relationship with God is never meant to be private. It's meant to be publicly expressed, and our hearts are meant to overflow with thanksgiving. I want to share with you just a little something that came to me during worship time. We are blessed with five grandchildren. They are amazing. Every one of them is a miracle, but three of them are truly miracles because of the fact that they make, they wouldn't have been here, but wouldn't have been for a miracle. And I'm thinking in particular of Eric and Rachel's three-year-old son, Sawyer, who is an incredible miracle. He almost um, didn't make it when he was about five and six weeks old. He had contracted um, RSV, a virus, and he was, had to sh- be shipped down state. He was on a ventilator, and he almost didn't make it. He's a walking miracle. But that little boy, you know, every child is precious, but there's a gift that's manifesting in that little boy's heart that Gary and I have noticed. That is amazing. He has such a heart of thanksgiving. And he vocalizes it all the time. Not that the other grandchildren aren't thankful and appreciative. They are. But there's something about Sawyer. To me, I look at it as an incredible gift that God has put in this little boy. And I want to share an example with you about it. And I want you to apply it to your relationship with the Lord. Last Sunday when I was in Ann Arbor, Gary had the opportunity to have Reed and Sawyer, our 8-year-old and 3-year-old grandsons, come and spend the afternoon with him. And then he met up with Eric when Eric got out of work and traded off the kids, and they went home with Eric, and they were already in Eric's vehicle, and the door was shut, and they were strapped into their car seats and everything, and then little Sawyer's voice was like, no, no, wait, daddy, daddy, I need to tell Papa something, I need to tell Papa something, so they opened, and I'm, re- I'm recapturing this, I wasn't there, but I heard about it, so they opened the door so that Sawyer could tell Papa something, and Papa Sawyer said, Papa, Papa, I want to tell you something, but I, I don't I don't know what words to use to tell you. But Gary sensed what he wanted to say, and so Gary leaned into him and he said do you want to tell Papa that you had a good time with me and that you're really happy that you spent time with me and you want to say thank you? He said, yes, Papa, that's what I want to say. And I mean, I'm telling you, something about that just melted my heart that this little three-year-old would know in his heart what he wanted to say to Gary, but he just couldn't quite say the words as three. But he wanted to get it through to him that he appreciated having time with him and he appreciated everything that Papa did for him that day. You know what? God wants you to melt his heart. God wants you to melt his heart. Maybe sometimes you don't feel like you even know how to put it into words. But when you turn your heart toward God in a heart of attitude and gratitude and appreciation and just awe at his character and at his provision and all that he does for us, that melts God's heart. When we were worshiping this morning, I just began to actually weep over it because I felt like God was saying, just when I heard about it, when Gary told me, it brought me to tears because I thought, that is just such an incredible gift to have a heart that's so appreciative and thankful and wants to express it. And then as I was worshiping this morning, I felt like God said, that's the kind of heart that I look for in my children, that they will look to me and say, I want to tell you something. I may not know how to put it into words, but I appreciate you, Father God. I love you. Thank you for what you do for me. Thank you for your faithfulness. And so I want to encourage you to stand to your feet this morning as we end our time together with a song of praise, a song that focuses on the awesomeness of our God. And I want to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone and to shout it out, sing it out, belt it out, let it come out of your heart, express it in whatever way you need to, to let our amazing, incredible Father know that you appreciate and value and honor him and that you are a thankful child.